And welcome back, everyone, to the Brandon Burns Show, proudly presented by Enterprise Monkey. It's great to have your company, and thanks so much for joining us. We're going to have a very special guest on the show today, so we look forward to sharing that with you. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube, or rate and review on iTunes Store, and also Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. But for now, let's get into the episode and see you on the other side. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brandon Burns Show, proudly presented by Enterprise Monkey. And with me today is a very special guest, the co-founder and managing director of Pure Ponics here in Geelong, Steve Gleeson. How are you? I am well, thank you. It's fantastic and to have you on. Yeah, we've been trying to line this up for a couple of months now, so I'm excited that Steve's been available and we've been able to get him in. He's going to share with you his insights into his startup journey to date and his business now that it's uh, growing and also give some great advice to our young entrepreneurs and startups listening and watching. So for those of you out there listening, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And for those of you watching on YouTube, don't forget to like us and uh, leave a comment. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting right into it. So it's about this time of the episode where I try to stop talking and throw to our special guest and sort of um, lead off with... um, with Steve, maybe you could tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, and then also lead us into what Pure Ponics is actually all about. Yeah, good. Well, thank you. And I, again, appreciate the opportunity. And uh, hopefully from out of this, from my part in, uh, in this, there's, uh, there's value to help uh, others get started in, uh, in, in business. Yep. Uh, I'm a country boy, born and bred from uh, uh, rural Victoria. And I have lived most of my life, and particularly adult life, just curious and curious about things that uh, take my fancy and uh, are of interest to me. So I have this very varied background yeah. in amongst that uh, agribusiness and agriculture from a family heritage. Yep. And uh, and that's uh, it was that curiosity, I suppose, after a period of time yep. and through involvement in uh, uh, regional economic development here in particularly yep. in Victoria. Uh, and the look at what was happening in food production that uh, moved us towards what became pure ponics. Yep, excellent. So um, I've obviously, uh, Reese and I actually were discussing this today and we've, we've had a look at a couple of articles online about the business and we've had a look at the journey to date. And I'm not going to attempt to describe it exactly because I know I'll get it wrong, but my impression is that you're doing something really cool in the, the aquaponics space and also in um, the space of trying to make... Uh, food fresher, more accessible, and um, more, uh, how would you call it, not efficient, but, um, oh look, I've said too much already, but <laughs> my impression is that it looks like it's a, it's a lot more efficient and um, environmentally friendly and less wastage, and am yes. I on the right track? You're, on, you're yeah. absolutely on the right track. Okay, yeah. Yeah. but I'll leave it to you, mate. Yeah, well, I have a great <laughs> mate uh, who, um, and he and I, have uh, we've shared a lot of life together, and we both have... Uh, uh, interest and in agricultural interest, and, and one of, part of his interest is a is a large broad acre station, uh, so several uh, tens of thousands of acres, yeah. and um, which gets farmed for cereal crops. And so around the experience that he has with that, and my experience growing up, and and with uh, with farming and food production in general, some of the things that are clear, Brandon, is it's, it's tough. Everyone knows that. Ask any farmer in New South Wales uh, yeah. right now uh, how, how it's going. It's tough. It's always tough. Uh, but there's consistently some new challenges coming up. And, and so around the world, uh, farming and agriculture and food production has got a lot of attention. So with my mate, with our interests and passions and with our shared capacity, one of the things we started to look at was what are the problems that are being raised? Mm-hmm. Some we could foresee from personal experience 
uh, and the, the increased use of chemicals, for example, in food production yep. because, because weeds build up, build up tolerance and, and I could just rattle off the list of things, but we looked at that and said, gee, gee, now that's unsustainable. Yep. Climate variability at the best of times is hard work. You, no, no one can predict what's going to happen for rainfall anywhere yep. and, um, and yet we need it. And, so, and then we, hear, we started to hear things and look into things. Uh, the, the, the United Nations tell us by 2050 we're on a trajectory to have 9 billion people on the face of the planet. Yep. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing, therefore, pushes of populations into urban areas, which traditional farmland's getting lost because we're building yep. houses on it. We keep pushing food further away. We're increasing mm-hmm. the chemicals that we use uh, to, to produce the food because of the, the, the amount of time it has to be stored and the periods and distances it has to travel as well as just protecting it in its growth cycles. See, that's uh, something I haven't even... I, it makes complete sense. I just haven't even thought about that. But so the fact that food is further away is a big big factor yeah it's a huge it's a huge factor yep. okay. yeah well, particularly if you want to eat clean and fresh food yeah uh it's totally. uh, it's, it's got distance to travel and it's got hands to pass through mm-hmm. so we just we we rattled off the problems and the, and we weren't inventing the problems we were we were acknowledging the problems that others were raising and right. and we looked at that and said can we see solutions mm-hmm. and out of our list of potential solutions what bubbled to the surface was aquaponics and Mm -hmm. so let me explain that really briefly aquaponics is the full integration of hydroponics and aquaculture so it's essentially it's not using soil Mm -hmm. it's growing plants in water yep and growing fish and what we do is in a closed loop system we fully integrate that process Mm -hmm. so we feed the fish their waste becomes the nutrient for the plant. So it's one circle of water. For Mm -hmm. us, it's about biological filtration processes. So we cultivate bacteria to clean up uh, the water source to go from the the fish to the plants. The the plants clean up the water to go back to the fish. We feed the fish. Their waste is, for us, a a rather than it being waste, it's a byproduct and, uh, and, and a usable source. We put it in a fully protected environment. We eliminate chemicals, uh, uh, fungicides, pesticides, herbicides from, mm-hmm. from our growing process. Yep. And, uh, and we can grow all year round. Mm-hmm. Beauty of what we're trying to achieve, and I say trying to achieve because good news for all uh, everyone else listening is uh, sometimes when you're pushing the limits, you, you've just got to, just got to accept the risk and the fact that uh, you're going to try something that may not work. Yep. Uh, so that yep. we're still in, the, in trying to make it work. But we want to... We want to put on the smallest fit footprint possible, mm-hmm. the highest yielding, commercially viable food production system so that we can bring food back close to where people live and eat. Yep. You can see where it's growing, you can get it from where it's growing, yes. and you can consume the cleanest, safest, healthiest food, yep. making the smallest environmental... Minimal waste. Uh, minimal yep. waste and the smallest environmental impact possible. Yep. And fully maximising the available environmental resources. So oh. it's a it's a it's a soilless process. Soilless. And, and that that means that um, farming now isn't necessarily just restricted to having a mass amount of land to be able to grow things. We farm space. Yeah. That's the so it's a little catch it's a little catch line, but that's essentially what uh, what we're trying to be innovative with. Yeah. You say well, we're losing land. Okay, we don't need land. We just need space because we create the environment for the food to grow, and we could, it could even go indoors. So if you wanted to use yeah, wow. LED lights, for example, but yeah. no, we're saying no. We're going to use the natural resources. We're going to make the sun more efficient. We're going to use yeah. probably only five percent of the water required to grow the same amount of food as you would use if you were growing it in soil anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we say we farm space. We, so we, a rooftop obviously comes to mind as a really uh, suitable location of, uh, of space for this type of 
um, initiative, yeah? Underutilised, uh, un- uh, underutilised space, yeah, and, yeah. and underdeveloped, uh, and when I say my economic development background, uh, underutilised economic development space. In, a, in Geelong, if you want to see me get excited, you'll see what, how we've, how we've uh, transformed uh, the Geelong and the amenity and the beauty and the... And the and the, and the visitor experience of Geelong with, with a waterfront development down yep. along Eastern Beach. But then yep. you look back along Western Beach, yep. and it still remains beautiful, but mm-hmm. underutilised. Totally. Uh, and we wouldn't be the first to do it, but around the world I envisage that that's a good use of space. You could float out on Western Beach just like yeah. that. I'm going to share this article with everyone listening and watching, but basically you can see here Steve's... It's like a 3D render of a beautiful-looking aquaponic hydroponic setup yeah on the long waterfront growing, growing food out, out on the water because it's beautiful mm-hmm. it's accessible and in terms of the innovation of that uh, some of the climate controls we can use the relatively stable water temperature ocean water temperature for example yep there's a zero discharge there's no threat to the environment in, in mm-hmm. putting it there but you just you, you you let the ocean temperature itself help regulate your climate for that you need to grow food you're just optimizing what we readily have available but not abusing the privilege Yep, fantastic. Unreal. Okay, so so from the outside looking in and from what you just described me, it sounds incredibly exciting. It seems incredibly doable <laughs> and um, it seems a no-brainer. So so next question is, because like all startups, they all, they all think, oh, my startup's in that position. Um, what, for example, is a challenge that this business has seen or is currently seeing because right now it looks looks amazing yes this looks like let's go do it tomorrow yes today yes and we have done it we've built the facility and you'll see if you go to the website you'll see the facility that we've developed here in geelong the farm facility how we how we grew and how we made it available i can tell you what the challenge was what we set out to do as as exciting as all that is brandon and and it is flat out and 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 it still is but we didn't set out just to do an exciting bit of innovation it had to be commercially viable we set out to say we've got we want this to take pardon the pun take root and go on into the future as a viable farming and food production method for future supply okay so so just to to clearly outline for our audience you have an idea it then becomes a business as such it's working people are applying it developing it now it needs to become commercially viable in essence you mean it's got to now have an appeal to be able to be make money yeah it's got to make money okay so i'm sure you would have had an idea of how it would do that at the beginning i'm interested to know if that's still the strategy or if it's evolved yeah no, it's, it's, it evolved and it evolved uh, it evolved uh rapidly it became dynamic from the outset because the idea is yeah. good I, I still feel questions from all around the world i've had scientists from from around the world come and visit the facility yeah. and and it that, that the idea and how we've taken something and and made it work more so than others, which we weren't competing on that basis. Yep. That's got the attention. Yep. What it does beautifully is grow food. It grows it a lot more on a lot less space with a lot less input and a lot less time. Does it grow it any quicker or slower? It does. It grows it grows it quicker. Quicker. Wow. It grows it and and with with full consistency. So mm-hmm. that wow you just used that yeah. was a, that was an indicator for us of anyone who walked through the door, which included the chief scientist of the EPA, for example, yeah. uh, CEOs of food uh, food businesses. We wanted them to walk through the door and look and see something that they said wow, mm-hmm. it, totally. it, that, and we got it. That, so that works. Mm-hmm. It produces that food so consistently well. Yep. What 
what it has to do, and particularly to minimise waste, which is an objective of ours, is it's got to get to market and it's got to be consumed and it's got to be enjoyed. Yep. And uh, that's where we have failed to this point uh, so, in business. So is it something that um, you envisage seeing someone domestically in their home implementing, like a veggie patch, but, or is it something for, as an alternative for mass-scale farmers who are producing food in a different way currently? It truly is a vision for an urban farm which okay. means a boutique uh, volume of food grown yep. for niche markets. And by that what I mean, we want to be able to protect, uh, perfect the prototype that can sit in the CBD of Geelong yep. that grows enough fresh food for yep. a market within close proximity who every week consume what is grown. And so yep. that could be the CBD workforce, others who, the CBD residents, and that's one example. And then we could do the same in Docklands in, in Melbourne. We could do the same in, in uh, Sydney, uh, the capital yep. cities of Australia. We could go into regions, but essentially you wanna, we want to sell in the, sh- in the shortest time from, the, uh, it's from harvest to consumption, yep. passing through the fewest hands Mm-hmm. that food as grown to be bought and, and, and eaten and enjoyed. So um, how many people could this feed? So let's say um, Geelong City, what's the population of Geelong? Uh, it's pushing 300,000 yeah. now, isn't so it? So 300,000 people and let's say within the, the CBD itself there's probably 50,000 know, around that area. How many people could a uh, facility like that feed at once, potentially. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. I, I do. I, I have to. I have to answer it. Uh, and this may well be a need of an edit here, Reece, <laughs> for, for, the, for the viewers, because I can get. I'll get lost in the in, in the technical. The beauty of what we're trying to work out is, what scale does this have to be? Yeah. To to meet market demand sufficiently so that you're not overcapitalising on what you build and what you spend. Yes. And, and you're not overproducing, so you're increasing waste. So you're marrying yeah. a scale to a market demand. And, a, and, a, and a, now what you want to be able to do is grow to proportion. But what it's not doing, it's not, it's not setting out to do is simply to grow on mass and on scale to produce volume and sell at low price. Yep. That's another growing method. Yep. That's another business model. That's not ours. So there's a data element to this business where you're going to, to learn and understand ongoing from your consumers the demand so you can scale accordingly is that right correct i mean that sounds simple in nature but i guess what i'm thinking here is like any like like facebook for example it can curate and present better insights for an advertiser off the back of the behavior of previous yes. advertisers yes. so in your case um you need uh, people to participate don't yes. you and yes and you need a critical mass so the viability starts at a point yeah. Uh, and it's but the same whether or not that having done having done your business plan and knowing what that uh, that critical mass is yep. whether or not that's the market that you can engage to the extent that you need to so all the all the basic fundamentals yeah. of planning yeah so so okay so well, this is a great outline of the actual business itself I appreciate that and I'm going to dive deep into your startup experience but just one thing I want to um, ask is so with the process um, it starts with feeding the fish. Yes. What do you feed the fish? Yeah, good, good, good question. The highest quality, most scientifically uh, balanced food that you can, because you want to do two things with the fish. You want them to be the, everything about us is it has to be healthy. Yep. Uh, first of all, it has to be organic. As a tool. we're not introducing yep. uh, toxic chemicals into it, so that that feed, the feed that what we feed the fish produced to 
the, the fish, whether it be Murray cod, which is what we started with, but name a species, we yep. can we can we will be licensed most likely at a, in a freshwater species to have it in our system. It's going to produce the healthiest fish, yep. and it's going to allow that fish to convert the maximum amount of that feed to body mass to weight. Right. Simply. So, so it's again, there's a scientific element yeah. to what we're talking about, but that's so, what it's got to do. So there's a there's a fish involved. Um, how would a vegan feel about this solution? There's no different, is it? Because they're not eating a fish. Uh, well, we ultimately do sell the fish to be consumed. Uh, yeah. Vegans will have a problem if vegans have a problem with fish being consumed then, as uh, food. When, and, when yeah. vegans, for example, are buying or vegetarians are buying vegetables now, it's going through a process of its own to be grown through... Well, I mean, how do we currently feed crop like that now to, to, to consume on a farm? What's it being like a fish's, fish's waste is fueling this, which is a hell of a lot more healthy. What's fueling the growth of vegetables currently being grown on a farm? Well, if the, Aside from water. Yeah, the chemicals. You, didn't yeah, want, chemicals, you, don't, you don't want to know the chemical breakdown. Exactly, yeah. So, okay, that's great. Well, that yeah. answers that question. Yeah. So vegans don't yeah. have a problem with this. <laughs> well, well, the other thing I'd say as well, what we do with different to aquaculture, whereas if you looked at our system, we have a low stocking density of fish. We're, create, we're optimized. This is a balanced ecosystem. If you're yep. doing something poorly in, in farming and aquaponics, yes. you're either going to uh, damage, restrict, or wipe out your plant crop Yep. Or your fish crop. Yes. You must balance a healthy ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So it's the it's, so the, the the care and regard for the fish, ultimately yes for us, grown to put on a plate. Yep. But we don't stock them in high density. We we create we optimise the environment for them to mm-hmm. grow, in the fastest possible way from consuming the food that they uh, mm-hmm. feed on it, and to be the healthiest end, end specimen that, right. that, that that they can be. So mm-hmm. they're the things that you're holding tension. So the regard for you know, optimising environments for the things that you're working with, yep. crucial in aquaponics. Okay, cool. Mm. Excellent. All right. So what we've established here is that your startup, which I, I guess I guess you could probably still call it a startup, but it's a pretty highly functioning business now and it's, you know, you've obviously qualified um, and, and validated the, the product and the solution. So it's, I'd consider it a bit more advanced than a, a fresh startup, but I'm getting the impression that it comes from the point of view of uh, curiosity, background interest and passion um next up is um for a startup in similar shoes to you when you first started what what did you think was the most important thing to do first and upon reflection what actually do you think is the most important thing to do and look i could i could preface that by saying some people get obsessed with raising money Hmm. others get obsessed with doing mountains of market research so that they just don't miss out on potentially another business that's already there. Yes. And then they've wasted their time. Yes. Others get obsessed with um, having the latest techno- technology in their business. But what what would you say is the thing that you focused on heavily first? And what would you say if, if it's different or if it's the same as what you do now? Well, I had I had some business experience, so okay. this wasn't the first uh, first rodeo, so to speak. And I wouldn't I wouldn't presume that I can prescribe to anyone uh, that that this is the way. Yep. I'm going to respond to your question if it's okay, Brandon, by saying what was important to me about what we were doing. Yeah. And and uh, I I can tell you uh, emphatically the most important thing to me was that we had actually believed that we had uh, we were responding to not one problem but a range of problems that all f- sat within a single category. Yes. At, for which, within that category, well, we had a real interest. Yep. A genuine passion. 
and a willingness to put capacity, and by capacity I mean our own resources, uh, which is what we did, uh, but time, effort, money, towards seeing if uh, the solutions that we were able to provide were going to actually be unashamedly, mm-hmm. good commercially, mm-hmm. but equally important, and you can and you can probe this however you like, equally important, mm-hmm. genuine problems, uh, genuine solutions to global problems. Yep, great. So you mentioned you've obviously had interest and um, people have been impressed from all around the globe. So um, there's no shortage of people who think it's an amazing concept That's and right. business. Yeah. So in those instances, who do you turn to then to uh, understand how to make it commercially viable? You know, Or do you just keep pressing on the path you're going and it will unlock? Or is there a particular person that, that can help you understand that? Or how do you nut that that out because that's a big that's a big thing to solve for a lot of startups isn't it it is it is you know and and, and if you're setting out in this space of let's just reduce it down to horticulture for example yeah uh, it's not but if you just reduce that down then most people set up to to be growers and their markets are typically the large supermarkets because that's who they grow for and so they're going to grow as much as they possibly can because they know they're going to get uh, a, a relatively low price out to wholesale markets for it, and that's the yep. way they have to structure. Yep. Uh, and and that's known, and it's quantifiable, and there's lots. Of, the industry's geared around that. Mm-hmm. We weren't setting out to do that. So the one thing that I had to acknowledge from the outset is, yes, I can talk about an agricultural background and the passion, whatnot, but I didn't have that direct industry experience in in that horticultural space. Yep. So we had to say, now let's identify the gaps we have mm-hmm. and how do we fill them. Yep. The one thing that we had um, in great supply, and I'd, and I'd encourage anyone, particularly young folk starting out in business, find good mentors, find great networks and relationships, and not people who can just talk about it and the theory about it, the experience, draw on the experience, and you'll always find anyone who has valid experience, sorry, I've always found anyone who has valid experience in business talks of their failures Mm-hmm. Uh, equally as enlightening as they talk of their successes. So how do you find a mentor? Like there's no clear-cut way to do it or what's an exercise you can do that might lead you into being exposed to a person that could be really suitable? Yeah, great. So listen to podcasts yeah. like, like yours. Find out who in the space, where, where, where can you be made aware of who potentially is out there? Mm-hmm. And when you, you, you know, we all do, we gravitate towards people for certain reasons and in certain ways, as you start to gravitate towards someone you're listening to, I, I again, I, I, I hunt, I hunt, I hunt them down. Yeah. That's, that's my method. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll find out where they're at, where they're going to be. And I'll ask the question and if they've got the time and the space and the inclination, they say, yes, I've been fortunate to yeah. have, have good folks say yes to, you know, yep. being involved in a relationship with them and, and I don't, uh, you know, I, I never want to sit with a mentor and have it cross my mind that I'm potentially the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I want to sit with a mentor and I, want to, I, I just want to have uh, the right questions to ask mm-hmm. and the willingness to sit and listen and make good notes. Yeah, unreal. Um, that's, that, yeah, excellent. So, um, okay, so how, how, how do you go about funding your startup? Um, yeah, good question. Often some people say... Friends, family, and fools. Yeah. First. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and how do you know how much you need to mm. uh, fund what you're trying to do? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna. I'll put it in the context of pure ponics. What I did because if I spoke about what I've done in the past, uh, that would be a different answer. But yeah. I, 
pure ponics took years for me to develop. The, the, the concept was there, and I'll I, I, I give you a backstory. Maybe we'll get to that if we have time. But it, 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 I, I became aware of it in mm-hmm. a certain way, and it was through direct experience on something practical I was working on yes. on, on a larger scale. Uh, I then worked up. I did some research, mm-hmm. I became curious the sector, I gathered information, who's out there doing it, who can I learn from, where can I go. I then found out what might be required to, to set something up, I then fully costed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started to, to, to inform the decision. What, what was the, the, the thing that we did not have a good answer to is, do we have a, it's not an if you build it, they will come when you're talking about something sexy and exciting or anything, it's, it's, it's not. I think that's, that's, that's a mistake to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to, if you want to commercially uh, commercialise it and be commercially viable, you've got to make that uh, sexy, interesting, exciting idea and attach it to just good sound business planning. Yep. And, and, and so I did. I, mm-hmm. I attached it to, uh, to a business plan and the hardest thing about that was arriving at a model that we could be confident we could be successful with. Mm-hmm. When we did that, we set in motion with our own capital. What mm-hmm. we were prepared to say, you know, yep. here's our starting point. We know what it's going to cost to fund it because it's fully costed. Yep. We're prepared to back ourselves to, to do it, knowing full well the risk. Let's yep. set it in motion. Yep. That's what we did. Uh, others became interested early, mm-hmm. friends that we know. And again, this is why I'd say good networks. If, if you can put the right ingredients together, so mm-hmm. the idea, the enthusiasm, the passion, the intelligence of... of going about it the right way and not just hoping that a good idea yep. is, is what's going to cut it, uh, people are attracted to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when they can buy in with their own expertise and, and you can reward that and encourage that and value that, uh, I, I think that comes into play. But we, we did, we attracted others uh, along the way who, who, who wanted to increase our, uh, our, our capacity. So we raised capital just through who yep. were known acquaintances, I would, but I wouldn't say friends and, uh, and family. That was... Yep. Uh, that was not the case. Every one of them, uh, I believe, would give you the feedback as uh, as important to to their investment as the idea itself. Mm-hmm. They ultimately invest in a personal people. Yep, I've heard that before. Okay, so really, it's the person driving the business that they're investing in. At least. Yep. At, At least. least, if yeah. there's others, uh, like I have a business partner, the calibre of the people, I think, is a mm-hmm. uh, is, is an important uh, important thing. So you know, personal personal development and your personal integrity, uh, all those all those really what you know people call them uh, soft qualities these days, but yep. probably a poor phrase. They're they're, they're they're rock hard qualities in terms of when people talk about character. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anyone's going to stump up money, you would want to be stumping up money uh, yeah. around someone who has character. Totally. Obviously. Yep, absolutely. So tell me about um, how you arrived at uh, collaboration with Deakin University. It happened, it happened early on. I, I, I made an inquiry of uh, when, when I had to fill the gaps. Yep. One of them was uh, a, a gap that was probably going to be best filled by uh, 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 someone who had been well qualified academically. Yep. So I put word out to where I think that person could be. I followed my own uh, yeah. theory on this. Deacon was one of those uh, places where I said, I'm, this is what we're doing, this is what I'm looking for. A professor from Deacon made contact back with me. We had a coffee and, uh, and I said, I'm unashamedly, I'm looking for your best and brightest. And, yep. uh, and he said, uh, no, well, you don't get my best and brightest. Good for him. <laughs> he, he, he wanted them. But he, but he said he knew a person and, uh, and uh, so I made contact with that person. That was, uh, yep. that was another story. But um, 
Uh, that was where the conversation with Deakin started, as it started to unfold what we were trying to do, how we were trying to do it. They yeah. increased their, their interest and they ended up talking uh, to us more fully about hosting our proof of concept right next door to them, having a research agreement and, and providing mm -hmm. opportunities for, for their own students to, uh, to be involved. And so we did. We, we set up uh, on uh, Deakin, Ponds, uh, Deakin uh, University's Warm Ponds campus yep. right next door. And, uh, and uh, we have a five-year research agreement with Deakin University and we work very collaboratively with them. Yeah. And I would say uh, Geelong should be very, very proud of Deakin University and the way they go about uh, bringing uh, industry and, uh, and university, academia, t t together. I, I think their sense of uh, 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 initiative around uh commercialisation and uh, industry development and Geelong's better interest in, in around innovation, they just should simply be commended for. Great. Unreal. All right. So I might leave you with one question and, um, well, actually two. I'll get you to tell me what you see for the next 12 to 24 months for Pure Ponics and then I'll get you to finish off with what's the one piece of advice you could give to a startup starting out now, now that you've had the amount of experience you've had. So maybe, yeah, tell me what's what's in store for Peel Ponics in the next one to two years? We're at a critical stage. Uh, I, I, I know you, you, you speak uh, uh, more advanced of us as a, as a startup. I still am in startup mode, uh, yeah. uh, very much so. Yeah. We haven't yet cracked the nut on how we take the productivity of our system yep. uh, and, the, and, the, and the, the volume and quality of food that it produces yep. and get it to the markets that we want to in okay. the way we want to. That, we're still working on that critical piece. Yep. And without it, we, you know, we could be a research and development facility. We could be a whole range of things that have worked well, gone well, but it's not what we've set out to do. Yep. So the next, the next iteration, if you like, of us as a startup is to say, uh, can we crack the nut of knowing we have a marketing plan, a marketing strategy, and the team to execute it yep. to get our food grown and out to market, mm -hmm. to the markets that we want to get to yep. and, in, and in the way we want to get to them and at the price that we want our product bought at, which there is no loading on our premium price. It's yep. well, you'll buy the same product for elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you'll, you'll buy it from Pure Ponics. You just buy it in a different way, but a far superior product. That's what we're focused on right now. Yep. And when I say we, when we haven't cracked that nut, so we, we keep going yep. while we can. Yep. My advice to anyone um, uh, starting out, given now uh, what I know, uh, always be prepared to back yourself mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it, you, you need to. Mm -hmm. uh, any, any business, whether you've started it or you've taken it over, small business, uh, it, it's always challenging. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's challenging and in, in every person's experience uh, will be different. But if you're starting out uh, with a startup, with an idea, uh, plan it well, mm -hmm. never, never shortcut the the, the 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 business fundamentals yep uh, and even if in your business fundamentals you see where what the gaps are don't hide the gaps reveal the gaps mm -hmm. so that anyone that you then go to to talk about how they can come and participate or support or, or invest in your business can see you've done all the due diligence if you like Yep. To, uh, to give yourself the best possible chance of seeing what you're wanting to do yep. and be successful. And it's a great opportunity for people who uh, maybe can bring value to your business, not by putting money up 
uh, to to fund it, but by mm-hmm. filling one of those gaps yep. with with expertise that you Which couldn't is more important. well, yeah. you probably couldn't afford it otherwise if it's coming from someone who could uh, who's got a level yeah. of experience or success that you don't have. Right. Uh, if they're prepared to put it up and you can reward them for doing it. I think you, that's a great way to start. Are you out. open to being a mentor for some of <laughs> members of our audience? I, uh, you can you can make my contact details available, Brandon. Well, I, so I, so I, how do people get in touch? So it's pureponics.com.au? Pureponics.com.au. Uh, they can uh, uh, contact me at steve.gleason yep. at pureponics.com.au. I, I won't... Uh, ever speak beyond my own level uh, of experience or expertise yep. if what I have uh, from hard yards uh, or the successes or failures of life is of value to someone starting out I'm prepared to offer it the one thing you'll always get from me if someone preparing to take a ping and start out is I'll cheer you on enormously yep fantastic alright well pureponics.com.au steve.gleason at pureponics.com.au and uh, you can also find out more about these guys on Facebook LinkedIn uh, yep. f- Facebook uh, Instagram and uh, yeah via the website. Yeah, and there's a cool little video on the homepage which I encourage everyone to check out. It just illustrates the concept perfectly. So um, that'll go a long way to explaining exactly how good this can be. Um, well, Steve, anything else to add before we wrap up? I appreciate the opportunity yeah. and wish everyone all the best. Yep, yeah, thanks for your time, Steve Gleason from Pure Ponics. See you guys. Thanks for joining us for another amazing episode on the Enterprise Monkey Show with Brandon Burns. Until next week, guys, we hope you've enjoyed. And if you want to get in touch, you can visit us on social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can reach out to us with some of your amazing content ideas or perhaps a special guest, may even be yourself that wishes to appear on the show. You can reach out to us at office at enterprisemonkey.com.au. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes Store, Spotify and Stitcher and we'll see you all on the next episode.